How's Cedar Creek this morning? Everybody have a good week? Who's ready for worship? I'll stay here, So this first song we're going to do is kind of a new one, but we did it last week for invitation. I don't know. Same God, and like I said, we did it last week. What? Oh, he's not talking to me. But we did it last week, and it's just kind of talking about how you know the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that's really what this song is talking about. Is it goes into different individuals in Scripture that God dealt with from it goes from Jacob and Moses and Mary and David. How you know for Moses he parted the sea. For Mary, he used a lowly, a lowly girl. And God's going to use us today just as much as he did 2,000 years ago with the individuals in Scripture. So y'all sing the song with us.
their Jesus. Yeah. You know, this morning, as, as we were practicing, I saw all the pumpkins, and it's so cool. But God brought something else to my, to my mind when I looked at the pumpkins. What if those pumpkins represented the crown that one day will lay before Jesus' feet? How many crowns would you have? You know, somebody was bold enough to share the gospel with you. How many people do we come in contact with every day that they, not that that's what we have before, but that it's an opportunity for you to share God's word with them, share the gospel, and for them to be able to be a crown that you lay at God's feet. And in return, they have crowns behind them. You know, I wanted to read a scripture in Revelations 4, uh, verse 10 and 11. It says, The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are, they are and were created. That is literally the only reason that we're still here. We exist to bring God honor and glory. God sent His Son to die for us. And in return, that is our only job. Our only, it's not a job, it's our only response should be to bring God honor and glory. And that's what this next song is talking about. It's called Raise a Hallelujah because that's what we should do every single day. It's just honoring the Lord and, and shout with God's goodness. Y'all think this cool.
God, thank you that we have the opportunity, God, just to worship. Thank you that we can come into this place, God, as a family, not just as a church, God, but as a family, that we come here united to honor and glorify your name. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak today. I pray, God, that you would break strongholds in the last Lord, I pray that everything that we say and do would honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. How you guys doing? Y'all doing good? So I know that a lot of you have been on the dark, in the dark on uh, where I've been and what I've been doing and all that good stuff. And um, I just kind of wanted to share with you where Maddie and I are at and, and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so for about a year now, um, I've really struggled with where God had me and uh, in leading worship and. Um, I started praying and asking God if this is where he wanted me, if this is where he was specifically wanted to use me. And uh, I just could never get never get peace. And then for the first time in, in 12 years of me being involved in the worship up here, I just didn't feel like, like this is where I was supposed to be. And uh, which was really, really difficult for me to, to even consider uh, stepping down. And uh, so I continued to pray about it, and I uh, finally mentioned it to my wife, and she was like, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. And I mentioned it to my dad, and he was like, no, you don't need to do that. And, and um, so I had a little pushback there, but so I thought, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm tired, or, you, know, you know, something like that. Maybe I'm burnt out. And I uh, just kept seeking God, and it's like God kept going, I need you to step down. I need you to step down. And um, so I started taking a break and started backing off of it, and uh, about that time, uh, God sent Jacob into uh, into my life and, and has become an, an amazing, amazing friend. And um, and and he was actually serving at another church. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take up a whole lot of your time. I just I just got to kind of tell you where I'm at. Uh, but he was serving at a church, and I, I said, man, why don't, why don't you consider just praying about coming to our church? Because he was like, I don't know what God wants me to do. And, and so he did, and, and I ended up feeling like God wanted him to come here and and uh, he said, man, I don't know where God wants me here, how he wants to use me, but I, I'm just here. And uh, I said, all right. And um, then over time, my, my brother, I just saw him in, in, in our, our music just continuing to, to be more bold and, and to, that God was just building him into, into more of a leader um, than he had ever been. And so I just saw all of these transitions going on around me, and I just saw God preparing new people to step up and to lead. 
And, um, you know, that's not what we're meant to do as believers is just to, to plant one spot and, and kind of plateau. God, God wants us to raise up leaders. And, and, and uh, not that I've raised them up. They've more raised me than, than anything. Um, but I saw what God was doing. And, and I thought, okay, I, the last thing that I want to do is stand in the way of what God has uh, for His church. And um, so I mentioned it to my brother. I said, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm about stepping down. And he was like, well, I don't want to sing if you don't sing. <laughs> Everything that we do, we do it together. I said, well, maybe it's maybe uh, you should just pray. At first he said, I, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. And uh, I said, I really think that you should pray about it. Don't, don't think about you know, what you want to do or what you're comfortable doing. Because most likely that's going to be what God calls you to do is what you're uncomfortable doing. And uh, I'd also mention it to Jacob. And... Um, in this group that stands up here Sunday after Sunday, you realize that uh, for years upon years upon years, they have uh, invested into their instruments and their heart into this into this worship, and they're not here. Um, you know, when you first start doing it, maybe it can be like an opportunity, like you're excited about it. But but after some time goes by, then it turns into it's it's like work. It's it's you turn into you're a servant, and you're you're coming here to serve. And so the new has worn off for them as well. And, and they're here because they love you and because they want to see God do amazing things in and through our worship. And, he, and God does that. So at this point, uh, I see God doing this. And then uh, I feel like God's like, I want you to preach. And I was like, God, I am not a preacher. <laughs> that's, that's not me. Um, I, I will be happy to, to sing a song, but... Um, preaching, not so much. And, um, you know, God qualifies the unqualified. And um, God started putting it on my heart. And he was like, I don't need you to be prepared. I just need you to be obedient. And uh, I'll do the preparation. And uh, so Maddie and I mentioned to Maddie, and she was like, no, you're not a preacher. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. She was, she was ready. And um, I believe that God's prepared her to, uh, to be a leader as well. Now, I don't know what capacity that's going to be in um, as far as preaching. If I'm if God is calling me to be a pastor of a church or if I'm just supposed to continue doing what we do in music because I really use music as an opportunity to, to share the gospel and to share what God is speaking to me. So I don't know if this should continue to do that or what. Kind of in the dark right now, all I know is that I'm just supposed to take the next step. And as soon as I did, as soon as I stepped down, um, I just kind of started the process. And, and everybody was just like, bam, bam, they're here, they're ready to go, and they, and they start leading. Um, so God was way ahead of me, and he's still way ahead of me, and, and we have a long ways to go. But um, I want to share a song with you this morning. And uh, it's called Never Grow Up, and it's based on uh, childlike faith. You know, there was a time where Jesus sat a, a young kid down and he said to everybody around him that was uh, questioning him, he said, unless you become as this little child, you'll by no means inherit or you'll by no means see the kingdom of God. And you know, I think it's so easy when we first get saved, we take all of these steps of faith and we see God move and it's amazing. But over time, uh, we start to grow out of believing that God can do amazing things. And we plateau in our walk with the Lord. But you know, at some point, um, you got to take the next step. And you got to believe that God still moves in the same way today that He did 2,000 years ago. 
that God still speaks like He did 2,000 years ago and that He has new things ahead of you. And sometimes those things look crazy and you don't see how it's going to come together, but it takes some childlike faith just to go, you know what, I believe that I can't do it, but I believe that God can do it. Um, so this song is called Never Grow Up and uh, just listen to the words. Be 
happy with just a worship service and uh, and preaching, God, but that we would just want to experience that and experience a walk with you. God, don't let us be comfortable with anything less than, than following you and seeing you move. God, I pray that if there's somebody here who's lost, I pray that they would see the gospel uh, so clearly that you love them and that you gave your life to save them. And, uh, they would give their heart to you today. Lord, thank you for your word that is powerful and, uh, and that we will hear from you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Is this on? There we go. We got to do something about those lights because I feel like I'm being led in worship by the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible, open up to Numbers chapter 19. Numbers chapter 19. Let me preface this message, all right? It's going to be kind of more of a teaching. And then last, the last 5 to 30 minutes will be a message. Just say this, you know, a lot of times messages like this flip people out and they don't know what to do with it. And, and uh, this is not going to be, you know, what just the average. I love to, I, you know, as your pastor, I, I want you to have strong families and good marriages. And I want you to live the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live and, and to worship and serve the Lord. And I want to help you with your issues most of the time. Some of you got lots of issues. <laughs> But, but honestly, first and foremost, above everything, I want you to be prepared to meet the Lord. Right. You know, a lot of people don't like, you know, especially in this country, we don't like to think about life and, and after death and dying and what could happen and what might happen. But I'm telling you right now, you better think about it and think about it really strong. Right. And I want you to, to please listen to what I'm going to share with you this morning. At the first of this, some folk will cut me off, and, you know, Hope that you don't, because what I, what I got to say, I think, is hyper important. Today, I think what I got to say when preaching is always important. But, um, you know, about six months ago, I, I, I preached a message, and I told you that I, I believe, my wife and I and several of us believe that something big was, was coming next year. And I'm not talking about big opportunities. I'm talking about God, God's got something going on. Uh, as far as the possibility of the return of Jesus, I'm not naming dates and all that kind of stuff. And but I am saying that you know, I've, over the years being in church all my life and then in ministry, there have been seasons or times where you look what's going on in the world. And and I heard preachers, you know, when I was little, I agree. I heard preachers talk about the Lord could come back any day and. 88 reasons why in 88 he's coming back and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why that message stuck with me, but it did. But, you know, and you look up and, and then you're in 1998 and like, see, the preacher wasn't right. The Lord didn't come back. So I agree that there are times in history and times where we're at where you look and you go, well, here, here's, a, here's a sign here and here's a sign here. And then it seems like that time passes and it kind of fades out. And what happens, if you're not careful, you'll just callous your heart. And be like, you know, I don't even know if I believe the Lord's coming back in my lifetime and you're going about your business. The difference between those times and where we're at now is, you know, I talked to you about it last year. I don't even remember what all I preached on, but, but me and my wife's making some significant life changes because we believe this so strong, the possibility. Um, uh, I talked to you about the possibility of Christ coming back, especially 
and I got to say this for people, there's a lot of different beliefs on when when Jesus is coming back is concerning the what we call the the time of the tribulation, the last seven years. Okay, a lot of different variations on who believes what. A lot of people believe Jesus is coming back at the beginning, you know, and believe hey, as the church will be out of here and we won't have to go through anything. A lot of people, including myself, believe that he's going to come back towards the end of that time period. Uh, both theories have a lot of scripture that you can bank it on. I can stand on my 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 belief very strongly in in God's word that I believe we're going to go through a large majority of that time period, which will be horrific. But God gives you the grace, and so so depending on what you believe in that, here's where I'm at. I believe if you're one of those, and here's where I was telling Jake. Uh, Jake, he's pre-trib. And, and you know what? We still have perfect peace. We like to talk about it, but we don't argue. You know, don't argue over stuff like that because nobody knows, to tell you the truth, no matter how fervent they get, okay? They don't know. I, here's where I'm at. I, I'm on the first train out, and I'm happy to see Jesus when he comes. That's where I'm at. And if we go through it, he'll give us the grace to go through it. And if we're out at the first of it, my concern is for the people who don't go, if you want to know the truth. Um, but we was talking about that, and anyhow... Um, if you're one of those who go, I believe Jesus is coming back at the first of it, I believe, and I'm fixing to give you some more stuff. I gave you some last year. I believe it's very possible, very, very possible that you could see Christ come next October-ish. Next October-ish. And I'll, I, can, I can give you, I'm not, again, I'm not dating him. He might come back a thousand years from now. But but the difference between, like I say, between where I'm at now, where I used to be in Little Science here and the momentum continues to build. It's been building for a while now. And, and there are so many biblical prophecies that have come to pass. And it's not like little stuff. It's like something big had to move for that to happen. You're like, no way that could happen. And all of a sudden, boom, it's there. And you're like, wow. I'm fixing to give you one of those this morning, all right? So please pay attention. Because here's where I'm at. You know, I, I love coming to church. And I love worshiping. I love preaching and all that stuff. But I don't live for this moment. This is just an opportunity. A lot of a lot of Christians base their their faith in the Lord on this moment, this one hour a week. You know they get their they get pumped up and all that stuff. My, my concern is there's coming a moment for every person here where you will take your last breath, whether the Lord comes back in your lifetime or not, and you're going to stand before the Lord. The Bible said, "Prepare to meet your God." One of the things David said is, "You're but one step from death." One step. I know we don't like to talk about this stuff. But I'm going to talk about it with you because my concern is in that moment, I'm not going to be there with you. Not that I can help anyhow, but I'm not going to be there with you. Your wife, your husband, your mom and daddy, they're not going to be there with you. You're going to stand alone before the Lord in a day of judgment. You're going to give an account. You're going to, your faith, the Bible talks about, will be tried by fire. Do, do you, are you really a born again believer? And I don't like, I don't want to cause nobody doubt or fear or none of that stuff. But here's what I do know. If you are a born again believer, when you search that in your own heart with the scripture, don't go searching it by some experience or a feeling or some ceremony. The Bible says, search yourself. Take the scripture. Search yourself and know, know that you're in the faith. When you do that as a believer and you take the Scripture, God gives you assurance. When you look at it and go, alright, the Scripture says if I am a born again believer, because you must be born again. John chapter 3, Jesus said that. 
If you're a born-again believer, there are multiple things that the Scripture talks about that you will definitely have. Don't go making excuses and talking about how far you're backslidden for 30 years and all that junk. Okay, That's American churchology. You will have what the Bible says. Here's what I want to challenge you. If you do not have what the Bible says, I know it's real easy to, to just kind of blow it off and go, right, you know, I've, I've known all this stuff. I've known this for years. and I've been in church all my life. Da, 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 and you try to justify it. I did the same thing. That's a scary place to be. Probably the most dangerous place you can be spiritually for God to try to show you as a religious person that you are lost. For you, to, for you to wrap your mind around that. And, and again, I'm not trying to cause you doubt. I want you to have assurance. You ought to be able to sit here and go, Hey, if Jesus is coming back next October, praise God. I just kind of hope it's towards the end. That way we can have a boat season one more. Anyhow, I don't matter to me. You ought to be excited. But if you're here and you're like, Ugh, You know, Jesus come back. Ugh, I, don't know, I don't like that. You have to ask yourself the question, Why wouldn't I like that? If your daddy, you know, if you loved your daddy and your daddy went off to work and six months later he caught and said, hey, I'm coming back next week, you wouldn't go, ooh, no. <coughs> right? You'd be like, all right. There ought to be an excitement and an anticipation with God's people to go, I'm very excited to see the Lord come back. And, you know, I was talking to Jeremy this week and you know, I was kind of talking to him about what I was studying and, and I said, man, I'd be amazing to me to think I could see Jesus. In my lifetime, I've really believed that my whole life that I would. And the more that I study, the more I'm like. And this stuff does make me uneasy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It makes me uneasy. You know, the unknown and what, you know, what, what could happen and what might happen and what we might go through. And, and honestly, what makes me more uneasy is looking at some people's lives. You know, who say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm good. You know, that kind of stuff. I go, and looking at, at kids, you know. You got kids who... Who are plenty of, at the age of understanding that don't know the Lord. You know, you gotta, and I'm not, again, I don't get into fear factors, but it scares me to death to think people could go to hell. It scares me to death that I could preach to a crowd every Sunday and, and some of you end up in hell where you just never intended to be. So, with all that ball bag business, thank you, brother. I wanna share what's got me all stirred up. So, when I see something that I believe is very significant in the news, I, I, you know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to even preach the news, but I've got to share this with you. And you may, may or may have not seen it, and there's a lot of talk going about it, about five red heifers. You know, if I was going to title my message this week, it would be, Holy cow. <laughs> Let's get a little laughing in there to lighten it up, amen. But if you, there's five red heifers were sent to Israel last week. Probably one of the most significant prophetic signs you've seen in your lifetime. What in the world is the big deal about a few heifers? Looking in Numbers chapter 19. In the law it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come, means a young heifer. You shall give to it to Eliezer the priest, that he may take it outside of the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him. And Eliezer the priest shall take some of its blood with his fingers, sprinkle some 
of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and uh, and its awful, whatever that is, awful. All right, shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet. All this is a picture of the cross of Jesus. And cast them into the midst of the fire, burning the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe with water. And afterward he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean until the evening. And the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water, and shall be unclean until evening. Then a man then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, store them outside of the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. Excuse me. It is it is for the purifying from sin. And that's all I'm going to read on that right there. Y'all can read the rest later if you want to. But I'm just going to give you the, the, the outline of this real quick. So you understand in the law that these things were a shadow. It talks about Hebrews. These are a shadow of things to come. All of these ordinances and the things that they went through in these ceremonies, obviously the ashes in the water of a red heifer can't purify the heart. But it was God teaching those people of their need for purification from sin. And the spiritual process that would take place, this was a picture of it. It's like in the New Testament, like baptism. You understand, baptism doesn't wash away your sin. If you're hoping that you're going to heaven because you've been baptized, you're probably not going to make it. Baptism doesn't wash away. Baptism is just like this, is a picture of what should already have taken place inside of you. Remember John the Baptist came and he was baptizing people, the baptism of repentance. And he talked about what this was. And he said, there's one who comes after me who is preferred before me, whose shoelaces I'm not worthy to unlatch. He it is who will baptize you in the spirit and fire, spirit and judgment. And so when you're, when you're baptized, what you're saying is all I am, I have no, I have no spiritual power to do anything for you or me or anybody else, okay? I stand up there as a representative of the Lord. You're baptized into your own death. You're dead in Christ and you have been raised to life. That's already taken place inside of you or you just got wet. You understand that? It's kind of like a picture. If I if I pull out, you know, my phone, I show you a picture of a fish that I caught. <laughs> but if I show you a picture of a fish I caught, and you're like, "Wow! Like, can can you eat this picture? No. Can you can you weigh this picture? No. It's just something that's already taken place. The real fish has already been fried. Amen. I don't catch and release. And so in that, baptism is a picture, an outward. Teaching is what it is, identifying publicly with Christ and His church. But you're, you're, you, if you're one who's baptized, you're silently preaching the gospel to go, Jesus has, has buried me in, his, in, with, in my sins in Him. It's a picture of a watery grave, and now I've been raised to life. Has no saving power. This has no saving power, okay? But it is a picture of something to come now. This was the for the purification of sin. And if they came in contact with the dead, if you keep reading, talk about people who come in contact with the dead. This, this red heifer sacrifice 
was mostly geared towards the purification of the priests and of the temple. And then later of the people, if they came in contact with the dead, you know, they couldn't come in. They were rendered unclean. They couldn't worship. And so the ashes of this perfect red heifer, let me say this, the red heifer cannot have not one white hair. Its hooves have to be red. And that's important, you'll get in just a second. But the ashes of this heifer would be mixed with water, and then they would take it and save it. And so when someone needed to be purified, they would take what's called hyssop. It's kind of like a, a little old tree limb bush type deal. Dip it in that and sprinkle it on it. You know, remember in Psalm 51, David had committed, uh, Jake preached that a couple weeks ago, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he was praying a prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, he said, you desire truth on my inward parts. He's saying, I, I realize that this can't change the heart. And then after the heart was clean, he said, uh, he talked about dipping in the, in the hyssop, purge me and sprinkle me with clean water and I will be clean. So David is making a reference here to this and the cleaning power of it. Now this is simply a shadow, like I said, of things to come. Stay with me. Don't lose me. I'm going to give you some information and I'll make a point. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 is also a reference to this in verse 11. It says, But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, get this, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So, so what's going on back in Numbers? God is showing that Christ is going to fulfill this in the way that spiritually. And you understand, let me get into this real quick. You understand that once a year on the Day of Atonement, this just took place this year, October uh, the 10th, I believe it was. The high priest, now they, they can't do this, but you know. The Day of Atonement, high priest, once a year, he would enter into the holy place. He would offer up blood. He didn't walk in there without the blood for himself or God would have struck him dead. Just because he is a priest didn't mean nothing. He goes in, he sprinkles the blood upon there for himself and then for the people. They would sacrifice a lamb. They would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. God would meet. God was ready to pour out wrath on those people because of their sin. And all of a sudden, God sees the blood of a, of a spotless, blemish, free lamb offered up on the mercy seat. And God rolled their sins forward for another year. Okay? So why did He roll them forward? Because it rolled forward until the time that Jesus came. And what this is talking about, when Christ died on the cross, He was that spotless Lamb. His blood was shed for your sins and my sins. And Jesus actually, remember this is just what I believe I'm staying on. You remember when Mary came to Jesus at the, at the tomb, 
And he said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go and tell my disciples I ascend to my father and to your father, to my God, to your God. Jesus, once he rose again in a physical body, wasn't just spirit, he was a physical body. He rose again, he ascended into, <laughs> into heaven. Into the, he was the first physical body in heaven. And he walked into, as that, oh, it says here, uh, uh, the high priest He came into the Holy of Holies, which was the throne room of God. On the altar, He shed His blood. He offered His blood. And for who? For the redemption of people who deserve God's wrath. And God said, I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with that. Man, if you don't get excited about that, you're headed to hell already, buddy. I'm just going to be straight up forward with you this morning, all right? Like, what's the big deal? You'll find out after you've been there for a while. All right, now, God help you. The thing I want to emphasize back to the red heifer is that this red heifer to the Jews, okay, understand we're talking about Jewish people here in Israel, to them it's like the key that starts the car. There's going to be a third temple built. There's been two temples, the temple of Solomon, the temple of basically Herod, it was during the time of, of Jesus, okay, and remember in 70 A.D., the Romans came in and they mowed that down. All this is history. You can study it down. Mowed it down. Since that time, there has not been a red heifer. They, they hadn't been able to produce or find a red heifer. There's been no red heifer sacrifice. And they can't build a third temple until... this is He's the key that starts the car. Until that red heifer sacrifice is made to where they can purify everything, they can't even begin to build the third temple. Now get this. This is where it gets important. The third temple is going to be built in the last days. Daniel chapter 9, there's going to be a covenant made and that third temple is going to be a part of that covenant. That covenant is going to be made with an antichrist. When you see the third temple start being built, you're there. You understand? It's not a, well, maybe this is it. It's it. When the third temple starts, we're in the last seven years. Right at the first of it. Now, the Lord could come back whenever He's ready during that time. You say, well, that means we would know. No, you know the season. You can know the season. We don't name the date, but, but we know this. When you, when you begin to see all this come to pass, he said, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. And so it talks about in, I won't go there for time's sake, but it talks about Second Thessalonians chapter 3, a temple being built. It also talks about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, the abomination and desolation is going to take place in the last, in the three and a half year mark, where the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple as God to be worshipped. That's when you're going to go into, it's going to be horrific. Jesus said there's going to come a time upon earth like you've never seen. Nothing's going to compare. And it's going to be a Christian hunt is what it's going to be. That'll be the time when you'll either take the mark of the beast, okay, or you'll lose your life for the Lord. Like, we won't be here. It's very possible. I believe we will be here. And, and we're going we're gonna to go through that. So, well, why would the Lord let us go through that? Do your history. We live in the, in the plush United States of America. I don't believe God let us suffer. Then why are people right now, as we speak, in Somalia, meeting and singing to the Lord with, with radical Islamists hunting them with machetes right now while I'm preaching? So don't get the American idea, oh, if God lets you suffer, no. I believe we're going to go through that time period, and hopefully we won't. But, but here's the thing. That, that's how we know for sure, and there's several other places for time's sake, 
that I can't share where there's going to be a third temple now. Get this. How rare is a red heifer? Since the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, there's not been a red heifer sacrifice for 2,000 years. And the Jews have been looking. They, they're always looking. In 2018, they thought they had a red heifer. And they were like, this is it. Because every one of them are moving. And understand this. The world doesn't revolve around you know, the United States of Babylon. It revolves around Israel. Everything to do with God's calendar revolves around that itty-bitty country on the map over there that stirs everything in the world. And right now, it's really, really stirring. And here's what's crazy. For 2,000 years, they've been looking for and searching for a pure red heifer so they could offer up this sacrifice on the Mount of Olives and then they could start to try to begin the, the third temple. Now, the, the Dome of the Rock's there, but there's a lot of things that... Can't get into it this morning. Anyhow, for for long long story short, there's a man in Texas that said he believed God wanted him to try to do that. He's got he he produced five red heifers. Donated it. He didn't do it for the money. He donated it. They flew him over there this last week, landing there. All the people there in Israel, you know, a lot of the people there were there. They were they were singing and shouting all this because they understand the ramifications of that. They've got already have five hundred men who are of the lineage of the tribe of Levi. I know I'm losing some of you, but listen to me. Of the tribe of Levi that they have trained because you got to be of the tribe of Levi to be priest and serve the priesthood. And they've just been waiting for something to come up with this heifer where they've got them. Now here's the thing. For some of you go, I hope this ain't true. The only thing that can stop it is if they get a blemish, they've got to make it till next October. If they get a blemish, or if they come up with some off-colored hair. Chances of that, pretty slim. And so I asked myself, why at this moment in time in history would God take a redneck from Texas, put it up on his heart to try to produce red heifers for folk across the ocean in Israel, and all of a sudden for 2,000 years when you can't find one, now we've got five. They've already built the altar. You can look at all this stuff. They've already built the altar on the Mount of Olives. It's ready, and they're like, we're going to make this sacrifice for the red heifer next year in October. If that happens, there's nothing stopping them from starting to build the third temple. Understand, this is all under God's control and timing. If you look on your little YouTube or whatever, Facebook, whatever you watch, and, and you see the building of the ter- third, <laughs> third temple start, you better, you, I would, I, here's what I would do. I would consider what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. He said, when you begin to see these things, and he, and he goes through there, if you want to read it for yourself, Matthew 24, Luke 21, talks about the time in the last days, a lot of the signs. If you look where we are, here's my five-minute message. If you look where we are morally in this country, no country in history, no, no empire in history has ever come to the place where we are in the United States and in the world all over morally. Homosexuality, perversion, all these things, when an when a, when a empire gets to that point, they are at what I call the end of the circle of God's judgment and, and judgment's fixing to take place. So we consider where we are morally and, and you see the spirit of the Antichrist and he talks about that. When you see the spirit of the Antichrist how in the last little while in the United States people, now people don't hate religious folk for the most part. You can have your religion. 
But if you start talking about Jesus and you start speaking the word of God in public, there's a spirit of the Antichrist in Palestine, Texas. People are hating on true believers. You see that, and you see the countries that are heavily involved in wars right now. All of those countries that you're looking at on the news, you can turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, 38, and they're right there. God said, all these countries are going to come together, and you see all the stuff going on in China. Book of Revelation talks about there are so many things right now that are just all like, wow, you know, the things that the Bible is talking about, we're looking at them on the evening news. It's here in our face, so we would have to consider when Jesus said, when you, when you begin to see these things, lift up your head, your redemption is drawing near. Now I want to finish right here in Matthew chapter 6. Y'all with me? I done lost y'all this morning, alright? Everybody's real quiet, it's like, ah, this one, this one in preaching messages, maybe it is, alright? But here's where I'm at. This is not just a preaching message right here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Y'all there? Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice what he says in verse 22. The lamp of the body, or the light of the body, is the eye. In the Bible, when it talks about light, it's also a reference to life. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if your focus is up on something that is dark, or the world, your whole body would be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So let me ask you a few questions and, and finish this up. Most people today, even in the church, are earthly minded. That's just my opinion. It means our dreams, our goals, our efforts, our investments. We pour ourselves into temporary things and we think that life will always be as it is, only better. If it's not better, I need to pour more of myself into it. Say, how do I know if I'm earthly minded or if I'm heavenly minded? Well, what is your what is your time and your investment look like in comparison? How much time do you, you spend looking at social media or watching TV as compared to studying God's Word and praying for, for lost people? How much time do you spend going to school so you can try to make a million dollars as compared to spending time, you know, becoming a disciple of Jesus so that you can win eternal souls? When Cody talked about the pumpkins and being the crowns, like when you look at your life, listen to me, you don't have crown because you went to church. You understand that? The guy's not going to be like, hey, he was there for four Sundays you know, that month. Wow. That, that America wants you to think that. Well, good job. You made it, buddy. But when you look at the Scripture, God says, I've given you the Gospel. How are you investing in the Gospel? Who are you sharing the Gospel with? Who are you taking it to the world? That's, not, that's a preacher's job. It's not the preacher's job. Do you understand when you study the scripture, there is no difference between a preacher and an average church member. We're just, God calls us Christians. I'm a preacher, you're the issue, whatever you are, there's no difference across the board. So, so I'm not going to be any different than you. You are just as, you know, have just, I don't like to say it require, you have just as much honor and privilege to share the gospel as I do. You understand that? 
And here's, here's the thing that bothers me. And this is where I'm going to get into the real touchy stuff. Because a lot of people, here's what we do. We, we think eternity is something for sick folk and old folk. You know, and, and, and all you folks on the world, then your eyes full of darkness and it's consuming you. It's world and it's, everything's going just consuming you. It's because you're focused on the world and you're focused on darkness. But if you're focused on the light and you're focused on Jesus and you're kingdom minded, you think about the heavenlies, you look forward to heaven. You look forward to what God has for you here on earth. You live for His glory like the Bible says. You live for His honor. Your desire to see people to come to know Jesus. When you think about you know, life, it goes beyond just your retirement and your 401k. The, most, the greatest investments you have are what you're pouring into your kids is not what they're going to be when they get bigger or what their grades are. And I'm not knocking those things with sports. Don't get all offended about that junk. But what I am saying is I asked a man last Sunday, he was questioning whether he really was a believer. He started off in our conversation like, oh yeah, I'm a believer. I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. So I'll ask you these questions this morning. If we drug your kid up here, even if your kid's grown, my kid's 20, even better. If I stood your kid up here and I asked him to be totally honest, put him on a lie detector, and I said, tell me something. Did your mom and your dad teach you to pray? Did they teach you the scriptures? Did they teach you about Jesus? Did you see your dad? Did you, did you walk in on your dad and see him pray? Did your mom sit down and take the Bible like it's real and share God's word with you? Did you see your mom and dad living it day in and day out in the house? Or was it something that was just a Sunday thing? If your kid went, you know, I never, you know, I, I learned scripture from church and Sunday school and this and that. My, my dad, you know, he never really prayed with me. My mom never did talk to me about we, Jesus. We didn't do that. You know, that was kind of like between us and them. Then I would have to say, so you're telling me, you're telling me that you believe that that kid could take his last breath, have a car wreck, flip a four wheeler, get a disease. And step off into, you believe it's a possible chance that that kid could step off into eternity tomorrow and end up in hell. And you are a Christian knowing that and you don't talk to him about it. You believe this book, you know, being a part of being a Christian means I believe the Bible. I believe cover to cover. I believe this infallible, inspired, absolutely 100% from God. I believe it. I'll try to live by it. I'll follow after it. I'll obey it. I love it. All those things are what the Bible says a Christian will truly have. Yet it sits there day in and day out on the table and is never cracked. And you don't teach it to your kids. You don't teach it to your grandkids. You don't speak it at work. You don't know it yourself. And all you got to offer God is excuses. And you're telling me you're a true believer. The Bible says, and check me on it, John chapter 5. If you love Him, you follow and obey His commandments. Talking about the commandments of Christ in His Word. It also says, if you love Him, number one, if you're a believer, you love Him. But if, you're, but if you're a believer that you love God's people, you love the brethren, you love the fellowship with God's people, or is your friends, you know, the, your, your circle that you, when you go to school or you go to work or, or you do your things, you know, they're all people full of darkness, and you come to church and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of act Christian when I'm here. You know, I, I, here's the thing, the Bible says, my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep, John chapter 10, verse 28 to 30, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. They follow me, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life, and no man will pluck them out of my Father's hand. You know the Scripture. So my question for you this morning is not, 
Have you walked down the aisle? Have you been baptized? Did you go through some ceremony? My question is this. Did you come to the place where you recognized and agreed with what the Bible says of you? You're a sinner. Condemned. You faced the wrath of God just like me. When you came to that truth, you also heard the good news that Jesus loves sinners. That only by His grace He came and He lived a perfect sinless life. Died on a cross just like that red heifer. Just like those millions of lambs that's been sacrificed as a picture. That He shed His blood on the cross to represent you before God your judge. He took the wrath and the punishment for our sin. Salvation is not about a feeling. It's about dealing with sin. If you hadn't dealt with your sin, then you haven't experienced salvation. You understand? This is Bible. I'll sit down with you all day long and we'll look at it. I don't figure you want to sit here that long. But bear with me. I'm almost done. That you come to a place of repentance. Repentance. Jesus preached it. John preached it. Paul preached it. Everybody in the scripture preached. Repent. Believe. Repent. Believe. Turn. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. And then all of a sudden... The moment you put your faith to believe doesn't mean, oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe that He exists and I believe it's possible. Believe in the actual word He means to commit your whole trust to. How do I know I'm going to heaven? I've committed absolutely everything that I am. My trust in Jesus. If He doesn't get me there, I'm hell bound, buddy. I promise you that. I have no hope apart from Him and the blood He shed for me on the cross. That's my only hope. That's what I lay everything on right there. But here's the thing. When God saves you, listen to me. I know we're going a little over, but you don't got to be here tonight, okay? When God saves you, there's a change that takes place. That God brings about a change. He causes that. It's not something you cause or you, you manifest up. I've had people go, man, I felt something. Like, I don't know what you felt. You know, maybe it was heartburn or something, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, it's not about a feeling or I had a vision or I had, you know, I had this experience. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's a promise from a God who cannot lie, who will not lie. And He promised that if you'll repent and believe on Jesus, that He would save your soul, raise you from the dead spiritually, fill you with the Holy Spirit, and that you would have things like peace, joy, the love of Jesus. I'm not talking about... Here's here be another one. Do you love your enemies and pray for them? I don't do that. Jesus said we would. He said we would. How do, that's why he said it. You're like, well, that's supernatural. Bingo. It's called the Holy Spirit. So I know I have the Holy Spirit because I, some people, I was speaking to them, I fall around on the floor. Like, I don't know where you find that, but this is what I do know. He said, you love your enemies. He said, you'll share the gospel with them. When you look through Christian history, that's what we see a picture of. People dying for their enemies to hear the gospel. Like, we don't see that in American church. That's what concerns me so greatly. It concerns me greatly that when 90% of the people sitting in every church all over Palestine takes morning have never one-on-one shared the gospel with somebody they love, much less their enemies. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. If the Lord comes back next year or 50 years from now, but let's just, let's just for illustration say, what if He comes back next year? What if this keeps intensifying? What if we keep looking at the news and going, wow, wow. And God's given us signs so that we're ready. My question is, are you prepared for that time?
The Lord can come back today if He wants to, but here's where I'm at. What if He does come back next October? You wake up one morning, like, man, I'm going to work, or I'm going to this, or I'm going to the deer stand. You walk outside, you feel a little rumbling. Oh, what was that? All of a sudden, you look up, and the sky starts rolling back like a scroll. The clouds start parting. You see a light. You're like, oh, my goodness. How many of you would be like, yeah! How many of us would go, oh, God, I'm not sure I'm ready for this? It's a little bit late. And then here's my next question. Are your kids prepared for that? And listen to me. Don't go giving parents salvation. Don't try to push them into anything. But what I am saying is this. Do you beg God? Do you beg God for your children's salvation? I mean, every day. My grandbaby's just talking. I beg God every day. God, please, above everything else, please save my family. Be horrible for us to teach them everything that we know and, and not to teach them what we thought we knew. For them to stand before the Lord lost. What about your friends and your coworkers? Are they ready for that day? See, this is where Christianity gets real. This is where the rubber meets the road. Like, oh, I don't feel good after that. Good. I hope it stirs your guts up to you vomit. Maybe you'll get some of that filth out of us. Amen. Yeah. To where we come to reality, where we go, whoo! You're talking about eternity, and that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I think there's coming a shaking in this nation. Like we have never seen before in our life. I believe we're going. God's going to shake away the riches. He's going to shake away the, the trinkets and the entertainment and all this stuff that an American Christian is just clinging to where you go, we ain't got nothing but the Lord. Good. Grab a hold and find life. That's what it's coming to. What you got to decide is, what side are you on? And if you're here this morning, I know it can be, you know, I'm not worried about embarrassing anybody. I ain't trying to embarrass somebody. So I just want to put it like this. You don't have to come up here. I can't save you. My prayer's not going to save you. If you want to come up here, that's great. We open up the altar, pray, pray. But here's what I'm saying. Salvation is not about you coming up here. Salvation is about if God's dealing with you right now, you could be sitting there and the Lord's like, He's talking to you. I'm talking to you. I want to save you. Why don't you just humble yourself right where you are and go, God, please save me, Jesus. Trust in you as my Savior. I believe your word. God will save you. And you'll know it. You just give it a little time, you'll figure it out. Hey, this is real. There's people all... Let me say this. I'm finished right here. There's people. I'm going to close it. There's people all over this crowd. Starting off with your pastor, your pastor's wife, your associate pastor's wife. People all over this crowd. At one point in time, we were church folk. Nathan Fussell. Church folk. My mom-in-law somewhere back in here. If she's in here today, rich. She's probably over there serving in the kids' ministry. There's a lot of people in here who would go, you know what, I went to a church for a long time. Jake just stood up and told us that. I went to church for a long time as a church member. If I'd have died as a church member, I'd end up in hell. And God in His mercy brought me to a place to, to understand. I can remember the night, Tony, I'd say, she fought it, but she fought it. And finally, my wife was on the phone with her. She said, Tony, are you saved? Tony said, my God, I'm lost. And at that point, God saved her. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. What will people say? Here's my question for you. What are people going to say on the moment that you stand before the Lord and you convince everybody that you was good? Good old Baptist, always there, serving in the church. And the Lord says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. 
I spoke to you that Sunday when that fool was up there preaching too long. I was revealing to you you didn't know me and you hardened your heart and you walked out and went to Taco Bell and you went, I'm good. Eternity's too late to make the decision. The Bible says today's the day. And by all means, I don't care if you come up here. I just want to know that when I stand there and I look across this crowd, I'm like, heck yeah, Grant's here. Don Axum, a miracle from God. Amen. That'll be a joyful day. It'd be a horrible day for me to look somebody in the face and win. What happened? Was I not clear? Was it not? No, I just didn't want nobody to, to know. I was embarrassed. That's a lie from the devil. Don't die and go to hell because he's going. Jesus came to save you. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed and have a word of prayer? <clears throat> Lord, I love you and I thank you so much that you love us. And I thank you, God, that, that your word is alive and, and true. Lord, we see it coming to pass right here in our generation. God, I'm so excited. And I pray over this people, God, I love these people. And I thank you for them, God. Lord, none of us are perfect. God, I'm not saying that. No, we all fall and we mess up. And I'm, I'm the leader of that. But Lord, I know that when you save people, you change us. and You change our heart and you change our lives. And Lord, I pray for someone here today that's never trusted in you. That's never experienced that life change. Lord, I pray today they would repent. And find grace. Find your love that you died to give them. God, as your people, I pray you'd awaken us. Messages like this awaken me, God. We ain't here just to try to survive the American culture, but God, you've given us an incredible privilege to speak life to people, to bring a hope that there's no other hope. Even in the time where this world's the darkest, Jesus, you are an amazing hope. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people who that message penetrates our hearts and pours out of our lives and our mouths. Pray over every parent in here, God, there's babies all over this crowd. Parents and grandparents, Lord, we love them and we enjoy them and we, we do all these fun things. But God, I pray more than anything, what would burden our hearts is their soul. And that we would lead them to you, Jesus, every day that we'd lead them to you. That they would see your great love and they would see your salvation in us and through us. God, I pray that those little kids over there next door, that everyone of them would come to know you. And that their parents would have the privilege to be the ones who led them to the cross. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.